The Bill Myers Show podcast is sponsored by Clouser Drilling. They've been leading the way in Southern Oregon well drilling for over 50 years. Find out more about them at clouserdrilling.com. Now more with Bill Meyer. Good morning. It is Find Your Phone Friday, 770-5633-770-KMD. Email bill at billmyershow.com. I have a really interesting um, email of the day. It's actually an exchange between uh, Commissioner Colleen Roberts and uh, State Senator Linthicum having a uh, a bit of a respectful disagreement over some things that were said on uh, on Wednesday's show, and I I think we'll share that here in in a little bit. I think you'll uh, find it a very interesting interesting read. Join in though seven seven zero five six three three. Okay, we had a uh, kick the can last night uh, essentially uh, when we there was supposed to be a you know government shutdown if things had not been uh, figured out in time and the senate did pass a short term spending bill to keep the government open and it was uh, 7718 in other words it's just the uh, kicking the can i guess the question will be though can the supplemental spending bill that i was talking about with the uh, heritage action person uh, yesterday is that something which is going to happen you know, will there actually will there actually be a spine transplant in Congress? And they're going to say, yeah, "Okay, you want Ukraine and Israel funding and all the other happy, happy spend, spend." Then we're going to get 900 miles of a border wall. Okay, so that I don't know, but we will kick around and get the opinion with Rick Manning, President of Americans for Limited Government. He's going to join me here in about 20 minutes. Mister Outdoors also joining me. And uh, someone who I just had the pleasure of talking to yesterday, and it's the uh, Rogue Valley Food System Network Executive Director. I never had the pleasure of talking with her. Her name is Allison Hensley Sexauer, and she popped me a note, uh, press release, that they have uh, secured funding for the next phase of community food assessment. A community food assessment update. I can't exactly say I'm sure what this is all about. But it does appear to be a, a focus on uh, making us a, a little more sustainable and maybe perhaps even self, you know, resilient in our uh, food supplies. And there may be some other things I don't necessarily agree with, whatever. But I wanted to talk with her about it, and so she's going to join me at eight fifteen. Anything which uh, is positive or food positive for the Rogue Valley, helping Jackson and Josephine County be more able to feed itself. Because we really don't. Everything that we have here in the Valley, we're, we're really dependent on the trucks flowing out of the San Joaquin Valley or the trucks flowing from, uh, you know, rolling down the road from, uh, from Portland. And we've been really good at growing stuff that, well, you know, frankly, is of, uh, of questionable food value. I mean, for a long time, hemp and uh, an illegal pot ended up taking up a whole lot of farmland here in Southern Oregon. But as I was even talking with her off air, can you make it pencil? Can you can you actually develop markets for a $3 head of lettuce? A lot of people can't afford an organic $3 head of lettuce, even if it is sourced locally and is more helpful, I guess, overall. It's kind of uh, weird to think about uh, the Rogue Valley having all this land around us, and yet we really don't feed ourselves all that well. Glenn Archambeau. The uh, farm Sherpa, you know, that I would have on. In fact, I even called and left him a message. Just want to see how it's been. Hadn't heard from him for a while. But uh, maybe we'll get him back on. He says that, uh, hey, the food system is just going to be big and mechanized, uh, uh, mechanized rather, 
And that's just all there is to it. But it would just seem to be wise, especially in these odd times, that uh, that we do a better job of being able to feed at least a portion of our of our daily meal. Would that would that be too much to ask? You know, should everything be uh, coming down a uh, down Interstate Five? And that way, if uh, any interruption in Interstate Five, I mean, heck, just looking at the gasoline supply issue this week is sort of a, a teachable moment and. And the food was starting to get uh, a little dicey, too. And you just realize that the Rogue Valley, Jackson and Josephine County, were, you know, two or three days of uh, gasoline, electricity, or food supplies away from things getting sporty. And it works well most of the time. But we don't really have a backup plan, do we? have uh, no other plan. But anyway, we'll talk with her about this. Uh, her name is Allison Hensley Sexauer. And... Uh, and at first, she wasn't sure if she was going to come on the show or not. Because, well, I got a, a two-year-old toddler. And I said, that's okay. We'll work around the toddler. So hopefully she'll be able to uh, quiet the toddler down and we'll have a good talk. Good working mom, I guess. All right. This may not be considered the uh, top story in the country, but I think it is. The president of the Heritage Foundation was over at the uh, globalist elite Shrimp Fest. Davos. This is Davos, you know, where uh, the Klaus Schwab types are sitting up there and go, why do they not want to give up their cars? Uh, why do they not want to eat the mealworms? Even if though we are eating, uh, you know, nice beef and we were eating shrimp at our shrimp fest and everything else, and, you know, the little people do not want to listen to us. And yet we are planning their future for us and then we will put them out of work and then you will, you will own nothing and be happy. Because we will own everything and rent it to you. I, I think that's ultimately where they're uh, going. And, and it's kind of like they, they, they think that, they are, that they're owed the allegiance or whatever. And uh, the president of the Heritage Foundation was invited to speak, apparently. And he gave it to him. Here's about uh, three minutes of it. And I think it's really worth listening to. It's laughable that you would or anyone would describe Davos as protecting liberal democracy. It's standing up for it. It's 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 equally laughable to use the word dictatorship at Davos and and aim that at President Trump. In fact, I think that's absurd. But I'm going to step aside from that constructive criticism and instead answer your question. Yep. And and I'm going to be substantive here. President Trump, if he's the next president, for that matter, I think whoever the next conservative president is going to take on the power of the elites, which I mentioned earlier. But there, the, the thing that I want to drive home here, the very reason that I'm here at Davos, is to explain to many people in this room and who are watching, with all due respect, nothing personal, but that you're part of the problem. Political elites tell the average people on three or four or five issues that the reality is X, when in fact reality is Y. Take immigration. Elites tell us that open borders and even illegal immigration are okay. The average person tells us in the United States that both rob them of the American way of life. They're right. President Trump will take that on on behalf of the average American. Elites also tell us that public safety isn't a problem in big American cities. Just travel to New York or Washington or Dallas, Texas. The average person will tell you that the lack of public safety damages not just the American way of life, but their life. President Trump will take that on. Thirdly, I guess the favorite at the World Economic Forum, is climate change. Elites tell us 
that we, we have this existential crisis with so-called climate change, so much so that climate alarmism is probably the greatest cause for mental health crisis in the world. The solutions the average person know, based on climate change, are far worse and more harmful and cost more human lives, especially in Europe during the time that you need heating, than do the problem and the problems themselves. Fourth, two more here, Robin. The fourth, China, the number one adversary, not just to the United States, but to free people on planet Earth. Not only do we at at Davos not say that, we give the Chinese Communist Party a platform. Count on President Trump ending that nonsense. And fifth, as we sit here, another supranational organization, the World Health Organization, is discussing foisting gender ideology upon the global south. These are practices that are under review, if not being rejected, by countries in Northern Europe. The new president, especially if it's President Trump, will, as you like to say, trust the science. He will understand the basic biological reality of manhood and womanhood. And do you know why? Not because of retribution, not because he's a dictator, but because he has the power of the American people behind him. And it's connected to Senator Portman's excellent point that in addition to needing a vigorous executive, we look forward to having the popular will inform both the House and Senate in 2025 to pass laws on all of those issues and many others. Ultimately, Robin, I think President Trump, if in fact he wins a second term, is going to be inspired by the wise words of Javier Millet, who said that he was in power not to guide sheep, but to awaken lions. That's what the average American and the average free person on planet Earth wants out of leaders. That's Kevin Roberts, president of the Heritage Foundation, and he was at the Davos Shrimp Fest, and he was on a panel. And I just wanted to uh, explain when he talked to Robin, the Robin that was being referenced was uh, the moderator, Robin Niblett, a distinguished fellow at Chatham House, a British-based international affairs think tank. Also on that same uh, panel uh, Walter Mead, who is a distinguished fellow at the Hudson Institute from New York, former Senator Rob Portman of Ohio, he's a cha- Republican, now chairman of the uh, Portman Center for Policy Solutions, and uh, Wall Street Journal editor-at-large Gerard Baker and Allison Schrager, a senior fellow at the New York-based Manhattan Institute. And so they really let the World Economic Forum have it. And they needed to hear this, and I'm I'm really happy about this, and what happened is that Baker was the first panelist, uh, according to the Heritage Foundation here, I'm taking it from their notes on this uh, speech, uh, first panelist to raise the prospect that if former President Donald Trump is elected to another term in the November election, election that he would become a dictator. The Wall Street Journal editor called it a legitimate concern, saying America's constitutional republic would be tested, but that uh, the Constitution's separation of powers would prevent a dictatorship from occurring. What do they think they've been living under? In the Biden administration, with executive order after executive order after executive order, and the um, the complete just takeover of the administrative state. What, what you know? They, they talk about dictators, and uh, and the other aspect. The one thing I would uh, disagree with with uh, Kevin was when he talked about uh, you know the gender ideology, and then when we get a new president and that president, President Trump, whatever saying that uh, 
that we we will be guided by the American people informing them of reality or words to that effect. I mean, you just heard it just a moment ago. How about I, I just want to hear I hunger to hear people say when it comes to this gender, the gender, I hunger to hear the people say with uh, regarding the gender ideology BS is that the reason that President Trump or anybody else who is conservative would be actually working with womanhood and manhood is because it's the truth. Not because the American people support it, but because it's the truth. And yeah, the sensible American people do support it. But quit, quit you know, tiptoeing around this thing. It's not because it's popular. It's because it's the truth. And that's what I want to hear more. The truth. Jerry the Bull's here. Hello, Jerry. How you doing this morning? Welcome. Hey, thank you, Bill. I heard you talk about the famous Klaus Schwab quote a few minutes ago about how we'll own nothing and we'll love that. And by the way, it really wasn't a quote from him, but it was in one of their commercials that they were promoting. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, here's here's what I find fascinating about the quote. Anyway, today, the anti-American crowd who hates Jefferson, who hates the Confederate historians and soldiers and leaders and so forth, uh, because perhaps that they owned slaves or maybe they agreed with slavery. Uh, I, I'm assuming slavery, slavery is part of that, mm-hmm. why they hate some of these particular leaders. However, isn't what Klaus Schwab believes, and like you said, too, in the Biden administration, that's what we're in right now. It's the same thing that they're, re- they're basically detesting. They want to sell us into a slave market, and then they will be happy, like, like you said. Yeah, well, yeah. When they talk about uh, you will own nothing and be happy, it's because essentially you are a slave in a surf-like system in which you really don't own anything, but you're renting everything for your entire life. But, but to me, see, and and I totally agree with you. And that's, I'm I'm sure they're, you know, that's their mission. But the hypocrisy of people to put down America. And America's some of America's founders and so forth, because of that issue, I think is detestable and hypocritical. Thank you very much for the call. It's a good one, Jerry. You always do do a good one. Six twenty six. Let me grab another call here before break. Hi, KMD, KCMD. Good morning. Good morning, Bill. Um, Hi, Tom. Great. Uh, yeah, that was a great three minutes there. You know what I, I see developing is. Uh, there's been so much overreach by the tyrants, you know, Biden and uh, the old Biden administration and so forth. They've been pushing this agenda uh, since the 70s. I've been following their uh, whole track record since then. And uh, I think what's uh, developing now, finally, because it's affecting people's everyday lives. We go to the grocery store, we have to pay double or triple what we used to. And- oh, yeah, they are existential threats. To, yeah, to and, normal and everyday so, people. Yeah, and so and the, this nonsense of a climate hysteria and so forth, uh, really constricting people's lives and so forth. So it's starting to affect average people. And what I see going on now is that finally, finally, there's a pushback on this whole globalist agenda.
Jen death. Now, the I, I would agree there is pushback, but here's the problem is that they always tend, you know, the the collectivists, you don't even have to call it left or right. You know, the collectivists, I think. Uh, you Psychopath. Know, yeah, the psycho, the collective psychopaths, as it were. They always uh, tend to operate in incrementalism. It's like, all right, we'll we'll we'll, we'll, shot, we'll send them back on their heels or set them back on their heels, but they don't get destroyed, right? They've still made some progress. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that Chinese finger uh, puzzles that you stick your fingers in. That every time you push, you you get it in a little bit further, but you're never able to yeah. take your fingers out. That's yeah. what I'm concerned about because these people need destroyed and vanquished. They need to be not welcome in polite society for what they wish to do to the world. And I, I, I think that is what is starting to develop. I mean, the very fact that that uh, Heritage Foundation guy could speak out like that. And apparently the, uh, the new uh, president of uh, Argentina gave a very similar speech in which he was right up there in their face and saying, you're full of BS and we're not going along with it. And uh, That's I, progress. I think we're, yeah. Yeah, I think we're at a point where the the backlash is really uh, well. Look what happened in Iowa. Uh, you know, the, there you have the entire corporate media from the New World Order telling us what a terrible person he is, and yet you know he had a landslide. And I think that's an indication also of people are not going along with the government narrative, whether it's the. Uh, 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 COVID vax bioweapon or anything along those lines. There, there is a developing backlash, and it's refreshing to see. And it must be, con- and it must be encouraged. And you have to support the people that are that are willing to speak this way and and mean it. All right, Tom. I always appreciate your call too. It's like Jerry the Bull. It's a uh, six twenty nine at KMED KCMD. And uh, after that, boy. Could use a Bernay or two or three or four from Artisan. Artisan Bakery Cafe has done it again. For a limited time, Artisan Bakery is offering a delicious, mouth-watering Chipotle turkey sandwich. Mmm, succulent turkey, cheddar cheese, zesty Chipotle aioli, onions, lettuce and tomato nestled between their fresh-baked sourdough or multi-grain bread. It's a flavor fiesta in every bite. Perfect for your office party, gathering, or catered event. Explore the menu at artisanbakerymedford.com or stop by, dine in, and get to know the family 1325 center drive across from south fred meyer hi there dusty here from dusty's transmissions you know there's nothing worse than getting stuck out there in the cold so you want to make sure your 4x4 is working correctly maybe time to think about servicing your transmission transfercation differential does your vehicle have work obligations or family trips coming up We've been servicing transmissions and gearboxes since 79. Everything from the oldest vehicles to the newest diesel truck, family SUV, car, and even hybrids. So give us a call. Dusty's Transmissions in Central Point. At Fontana Roofing, their roof replacement teams give homeowners honest advice every day. Let's check in and see what's new. Did you see the relief on that homeowner's face with the good news that her roof had another five years of life left in it? Yeah, she was pleased as punch. The bad news is that Nerf football I found up there has seen better days. Indeed, but the good news is there's still enough granules to reflect light and heat away from the roof, preserving for now the asphalt underneath. And the bad news is excessive UV rays and weather on that southern exposure makes those pebbles wear out faster and the wood sheeting could be eventually compromised. And the good news is it's lunchtime and I've got coupons for tacos. And the bad news... 
is that I left my wallet at home. That's not news. Fontana Roofing is your local expert on residential re-roofs. Get an accurate news report on your roof today. Visit FontanaRoofingServices.com. By Coastal Media's Best of Southern Oregon magazine is online at bestofsouthernoregon.com. Find the winners in nearly 200 categories by flipping through the magazine online or sort by category and discover Southern Oregon's best suppliers of goods and services like Megan McPherson Farmers Insurance, Drake's Paint, and Dusty's Transmissions. Congratulations to the award winners from Bicoastal Media, publishers of Best of Southern Oregon. Nominations for 2024-25 start in spring. Visit bestofsouthernoregon.com. Don't miss out on limited-time appliance deals during the closeout event at Lowe's. Get up to 35% off select major appliances. Plus, save an extra $100 when you spend $999 or more on all major appliances. Hurry, these deals are too good to last long. Shop in-store or online today because Lowe's knows home improvement. Valid 1-4 through 124. Selection varies by location. While supplies last, see Lowe's.com for details. Hi, I'm Amber Rose from Siskiyou Pump Service, and I'm on 106.7 KMED. 6.32. We're going to break for the rest of the news here in just a moment, and uh, probably catching up. Uh, some of the other headlines, I think, uh, pretty interesting. Rogue Valley Times reporting that uh, OHA confirming a spike in infection rates at Asante. Remember, this had to do uh, with um, the nurse accused of stealing the fentanyl. I know they call it a drug diversion. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, when you uh, rob a bank, I guess uh, you're uh, well. It's a it's a currency diversion. It's a cur- yeah yeah yeah. You're not robbing the bank. It's a currency diversion. But anyway, uh, back to this. And appears that the Oregon Health Authority confirming a spike of uh, in hospital infections at Asante 2022 2023, and it coincides with the time frame of the drug diversion, drug theft, that sort of thing. Uh, MPD and the hospital conducting separate investigations. Buffy Pollock reporting that yesterday the uh, Oregon Health Authority confirmed the agency has also launched its own investigation, saying that Oregon Health Authority aware of reports of incidents at Asante involving a nurse alleged to have tampered with a pharmaceutical fentanyl used to treat severe pain and introducing tap water in patients' intravenous lines. Uh, Makes me wonder if the nurse was uh, using her or his uh, own supply, so to speak, because what what nurse wouldn't know that putting tap water in the line wouldn't start killing people. I don't quite understand that. That's um, something I'd really like to know more. I'd also like to know more why why we don't um, know who the nurse is at this point. As far as I'm concerned, if you were fired, you at least should be doing something like that. And um, that OSF actor, Tony Sancho, looks like they're going to be able to move forward. He's going to move forward and be able to sue Jackson County after having been uh, shackled to a urine grate for a number of hours, and he was arrested a while back, back in April 2019, picked up uh, for public drunkenness by Ashland police at that point. And the uh, judge ended up saying that, hey, the there was no problem with use of force or anything else, but uh, the shackling to the urine grate, uh, that could be a problem. So I guess that suit will continue. And uh, we'll catch up on the rest of it, okay? And this is The Bill Myers Show. Craziest party that could ever be. Don't turn on the lights, cause I don't want to see. Mama told me that's come. I don't know if he's freezing in the swamp. Has the has the swamp frozen this morning? Rick Manning, president of Americans for Limited Government on the DC Swamp Update. How you doing, my friend? Well, 
I'm doing great. It's it's uh, cold. It's snowing. It's a little snowing. It's not. Uh, it's like a drizzle snow. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, but the roads are slushy, and you know, it's just it's been cold for the last week, ten days, and it's miserable. Yeah. So all in all, people in the swamp are in a bad mood. It's not the swamp never freezes over. It just gets more clean, more chunky trying to get around it. <laughs> <laughs> chunky, the chunky swamp. I think that's a great descriptor for it, Rick. So last night, uh, that was a can kick bill that the Senate approved, right, on the budgeting. Just so we we understand, that's a you know that uh, continuing resolution. Yeah. That's the kick yeah, the can. Uh, yeah, what they yeah what that does is it yes, it's um, it, it, the House has not been able to get the appropriations bills done. There and the Senate hasn't gotten appropriations bills done, so consequently they're moving the the really, 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 really we mean it this time date to beginning of March for uh, one set of appropriations bills and a week later for another set of appropriations bills. Um, it's the challenge on this is very is frustrating, um, but. The people who want to cut the budget most are the people who have the most interest in a lot of the uh, the Biden administration regulatory strangling uh, defunds that are within the many of the appropriations bills are the ones who don't want to pass the appropriations bills because they think the appropriations number is too high. Oh, um, a lot of them are my friends. Okay. And I, I have been arguing with them for a month on this and because, I mean, I look at it and I say, you got a three vote majority. What are you doing? Get what you can get, survive, win the, win the next election, and then we can actually do something about this problem. But yeah, yeah. in other words, they, they, they're fighting right now, but they have no bullets in the gun. To fight with there's just you know three well, vote three vote majority is nothing really i hate to put it that right. way and people get you know upset at me when i mention this it's like you have a majority it, it three votes it's it's nothing because there's not unanimity among the republicans on any of the this democrats sort of stuff, have right? a the democrats agree they want a socialist state yeah okay? republicans agree they don't want a socialist state whether the republicans disagree is how what do they want to do about it? To, it's always harder to sit there and consolidate people around a solution. And the truth is, and we did a victorious represent Victoria Sparks from Indiana um, as part of a back in the when we were fighting over who was going to be speaker. Um, she made it clear that she was not going to support somebody who would not support a debt commission. Um, and a debt commission, and she says she's not running for re-election again. So, because it's she kind of, I've got young, I've got young kids. I got better things to do than fight with you guys. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a unfortunately we're losing the people who feel that way. Um, but it is a, um, but so there's a debt. So bills been put together. The debt commissions, I'm not all that hep on the bill and what it, you know what they're doing. But bottom line is, I did a. I just did a review on Wednesday and said, let's just take a look at exactly what we're spending the money on. And I'm just, the fact of the matter is our total income 
from all sources in the United States, income tax, tariffs, corporate income tax, um, all the social security taxes, everything. Our total income is exceeded by the mandatory spending. So we're not even bringing in enough money right now for the mandatory spending. And the mandatory spending would be things like Medicare, Social Security, that kind of stuff, right? Correct. Okay. Correct. Wow. The and so and we're sitting there fighting over whether you're gonna cut you know, what you're gonna cut on the on the thirty percent, actually it's twenty seven percent of the budget that Congress votes on. And, and, and so we're arguing about the rubber we're band. We're we're, uh, we're arguing about rubber bands and paper clips, right? Right. Yeah. When yeah, Essential. when the whole building's falling on our head. Oh. Um. And and so there's so just to make this clear, if we eliminated every dollar we spend on national defense, every dollar, we eliminated every dollar we spend on the EPA. May not be a bad idea, but some people might not like it. If we eliminated all the dollars we spent on BLM, on in, Interior Department, on all of the agencies, all the federal government agencies, except for the ones that, that handle mandatory spending, we would be running a deficit. We would still not have enough money coming in. Wow, I, didn't, I didn't realize it was uh, that out of control. Yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty upside down. So yeah. um, now that doesn't mean that there's not places to cut in the, in the non-mandatory and the discretionary spending. There definitely is. But, I mean, we have to be real about what our circumstances are. And that's why I, rather than get engaged in all this back and forth on, you know, are we cutting four, $4 or $3 from the, from the budget? And fighting over over basically fractions of pennies in terms of the problem. Um, I decided to t- talk about the debt commission this week because ultimately the biggest problem in terms of dealing with all this is if you say anything about Social Security. Oh, you're dead. You get, you get hammered. Oh, yeah, you're dead in the wire. Yeah. And, and yet, if you're not talking about Social Security, you're not being responsible You're ignoring either. the problem. Yeah. yeah, you're ignoring the problem. The, the fact is our Medicare problem is growing far, far more rapidly than our Social Security problem. Our Social oh. Security problem is actually in, is in a fixable category. Now, people won't, may not like the fix, but it is in the fixable category because all you need to do on Social Security is currently, if you have – if you make above, I think it's $145,000 a year. I'm not sure what. Um, if you make above that amount, you don't pay, you, you stop paying Social Security taxes. The reason you stop paying Social Security taxes is because it's an insurance policy for all intents and purposes. It's supposed to be like an annuity insurance policy. Yeah, but of course, that's, and, a, that's a fraud too. You know that. Right? I, I'm, I'm not, not disagreeing. I'm okay. just telling you what the underlying reason is. All right. All right. So, so that's the reason that happens. And so if they merely and said, we're not going to stop taking Social Security taxes out of your check when you hit whatever the threshold is, like I say, it's in 140, $145,000 a year. We're going to stop taking, we're not going to stop taking Social Security taxes out of your check. You could sit there and you could say for the employers, we're not going to, we're no longer going to charge you Social Security. 
on it. So it'd be half the tax when the players would pay it in their half. But you'd basically be able to get Social Security to survive. And it would have enough money coming in that it would be able to work. Are you saying then repeal the 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 limit totally or raise the limit to a certain I just I, I repeal it entirely. Oh, just repeal Say, it entirely. Okay, hey, this is this is what's going to happen. You got to pay. You know, you'll get right. this. You're guaranteed the amount of money that the equivalent of one hundred and forty, hundred forty five thousand dollars a year would give you, but everything above that is you know too bad ski. You know we're making this the thing solvent. That's a I I say that's that fixable. With, okay. uh, that's fixable. I mean, there's a, a pathway. You can see the pathway. Another pathway is if every single person who pays into Social Security who isn't taking it has a can look and say, well, how much money did I pay in? Mm-hmm. And you could do a deal with the American public where you say, OK, well, we're going to we're going to split this the way we did with the federal pension system and for federal employees about 20 years ago. And we're going to say, OK, you're going to get half this is for people who are not currently on it probably people who are 50 and below just to be clear this is this is manning talking about different things that could be done you can say you get half of the money that you've paid in you're still going to be paying in mm-hmm. you get half the money you're paid in and you can invest that in some set investments okay much like the federal government employees are given basically seven mutual funds they can invest in um, and you can invest in that and the rest of the money, you're going to get a pension, but the pension's going to be significantly lower than it would be if you kept paying in until you were 66 and a half, 67, whenever the the regular time regular time is. So that is a you could do that. You'd have to look at it from a you know take a calculator to it to make sure it made sense. But bottom line is you've kept the you kept people paying. But you had only half of that money going into the future, and you had half the money going into them a self-directed uh, pension plan. They would be able at that point. People have a guarantee they were getting something, and if you did the number, if you worked the numbers right, the government would still win, because ultimately the government has to win in that transaction. Because otherwise, you're not putting in additional money into social. And there's security. a lot of people depending on this. There's just no way. There's, of, there's no way of this. getting around that. And believe me, people on social security vote, and they vote hard. You know, they really do. Yeah, yeah. That's a. It becomes. You, you can't tell people for their entire lives that um, that it's a three-legged stool, and one of the, and then say, yeah, but we don't really feel like paying one of the legs and cutting it off. Yeah. Um, it's a, you know, so social security is relatively, you can, you can see some fixes that could occur. Um, some that would make it better for people who, um, if you're young, you, you should jump on a deal that puts money into the, that puts money into a self-directed plan. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I'm good with that. that. That's reasonable. It's a reasonable thing to do. Uh, of course, uh, you know, even just bringing this up could still possibly end political well, careers at this point. But, course. you know, and, but, you know, the thing is, though, we never do the right thing, Rick, until we're our backs up against the wall. And it looks like we're very soon having our back up the wall against no, the wall the, with this. Right? The political reality is, mm-hmm. is when you look at this, the crisis part of this Probably they start ringing real crisis alarm bells in 2028, 2029. Mm-hmm. Okay, on both Social Security and Medicare. Medicare, yeah, is yeah which is about when I'm supposed to start collecting it. Maybe 
you know. Yeah. So, so, that, so they're starting. That's about how it always Happy works. me. Um, Happy me. Okay. So they're doing a – so they really start ringing the, – the alarm bells will really start ringing then. And the problem will be exponentially worse because it wasn't dealt with earlier. But here's the truth. If Donald Trump, as I think he will, wins the 2024 election, the, there is a, a reasonable probability that in 2026, the Democrats will take control of at least the House of Representatives, because that's historically what happens. And in 2028, it will be, if people are betting, they will bet, you know, based on historical patterns that the Democrats will win in 2028. So if you're sitting there, you're saying there's a likelihood that Democrats will will be in control of at least one body of Congress, one side of Congress, and the presidency in 2020 in 2029 when this crisis hits. I don't want Democrats solving this problem. Okay, I don't want Democrats solving this problem. Very simple, because Democrats' solution to this problem is is to effectively, and they've talked about this forever. What they will do is they will say. We're going to take your 401k money. Yeah, yeah, we're going to see. We're going to seize your private retirement fund. We're going to take your private retirement funds. We're going to guarantee you a pension on it. We're going to we're going to meld it into uh, Social Security. We're going to make Social Security whole, and those people who actually manage to save money throughout their life through Mm -hmm. using the 401k system, yeah, screwed. Will get will be screwed. Mm -hmm. So they will because the Democrats always, always, always make the people who do the right thing pay to co- to accommodate the people who didn't that is their watchword that's how that's the that's the transition of wealth that they believe in and they will talk about the great disparity of wealth between people who are retirement age and how it's not fair that some people have 401ks that generate you know with a million, let's say a million dollars in the 401ks and other people um, don't have a 401k don't have any money and they're dependent on social security and they're living on a, a relatively small amount of social security that, and they'll say that's inherently unfair. And so these are both government programs. We're going to equalize them. That's that's what they will do. And I, you know, and because you know what the Democrats have also proven? What's that? When they have control of all the houses, they don't care what the politics are. They pass Obamacare even though they know it's going to cost them the house. They pass they pass the tax cuts in or the tax increases under Clinton first year, and it's because it's all about power. They the know house. that they're move they're still moving the ball forward. They know that exactly right. right. They know that they need to, they move the ball forward increment. They if they get giant all the stars aligned, they do it as one giant leap. And for those people who say, "Oh, we've got we've got uh, um, filibusters stopping the Senate," if they have the president and a one vote majority in the House. And a one vote and a, and a tie in the Senate, they can do a budget reconciliation bill, much like they did with under Nancy Pelosi when they had no vote, a tie in the Senate and six vote majority in the House and Joe Biden. They can do as a budget reconciliation bill and do this whole do everything I just described under budget reconciliation. Mm-hmm. So I don't want them being the problem solvers on this. And that means the Republicans have to man up, lack of a better term and start talking about it and start figuring out a solution to this problem and and have the and just understand that many of them if they fix the problem in 2020 in 2025 many of them won't be coming back in 2027 but they'll fix the problem in a way that actually fixes the problem well that would be uh, helpful i i, I actually but, like what the suggestions you've been mentioning here 
What about actually reforming uh, some of the qualifications of Social Security, though? I have to tell you, one of the challenges that I see within the system is that what people get paid in Social Security, in some cases, seems to have no relationship, really, to what they paid in, especially when we're... uh, you know, I, I've known uh, people uh, that uh, have uh, gotten divorced, and one good Social Security account is paying for two ex-wives, you know, in many cases, with a lot of money, you know, big, big monies. And uh, I, I know the uh, people personally <laughs> that are enjoying yeah, I, things you know, like I, that. I, I think that on a, on a macro scale, um, there are probably some things that can be done. I, I, I don't know the specifics in terms yeah. of... I've spent a lot of time over the last because of personally, I've had to figure it out. I've spent a lot of time reading about it and trying to figure it out, not just for political purposes, oh, for okay. per- personal right. purposes. Yeah, so you don't think so it's you're a, not there. All right. What, what about the abuse? A, what about the abuse, though? A, in let the, me give you, let okay. me give you a couple of solutions that could be done right now that would be helpful. All right. One of the challenges. So we've we've talked for a long time. You know, we talked about the labor report, all that all the time. The we that there is a dearth of. We're losing more workers due to retirement and old age than we're than we're bringing in. Essentially, we're we're creating a there is a we're not growing our population is not growing the way it needs to to meet the demands of the workforce. One of the things that our retirement system, our whole Social Security system, is geared to do, because it's basically they retooled it in the '60s, actually the '30s, '40s, '50s, '60s. Their objective was to get people to retire. That was the that was one of the things that is, and that's why they said, um, you know, and they said, in, in if you're 62, you get about 70 percent of your Social Security payment, and if you make above a very limited amount of money, they start reducing your Social Security payments. Mm-hmm. So essentially, you're working for nothing. Yeah, they they um, really do encourage you not to work. I know that, uh, that you know you know right now Just, even in my own family, I'm dealing with that with Linda. You know, she, you know, she's a little bit older than me, so she's on it. And I got to tell you, it uh, it just messes with our taxes like crazy right. because I'm working. Right. You know? Well, and that's a – and so what do you do? Well, eliminate that requirement, okay? Eliminate the, the deduction. Say you're taking the Social Security. We want you to work. Why do we want you to work? Because you're paying taxes when you work. Okay, you're still paying money into Social Security, but you're also paying and your Social Security payment goes up every month, every year because of that. But you're paying taxes into the rest of the system. Still, we don't yeah. want people on retirement and just taking Social Security. We want them working and contributing and paying money into the system through taxes and generating wealth. That's what we want. And the Social Security system says to people when they hit their 60, early 60s, you have a choice. You can take a, a guaranteed sum now or you can continue working and it'll go up. But, you know, if you hate your job, you know, you, you're working a job that's really hard to do when you're older and you're trying to do second career. It really it just it destroys that incentive. And it's stupid. In a time when people's life expectancy, when they hit 62, is that they're going to live to be 87. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Long so time. that's really stupid. Social Security, when it was founded, people's life expectancy, they, you got retirement at 65 and your life expectancy was 66. Okay. So it was designed as for people who lived beyond that life expectancy to have something to a pension. So it was designed to do. Now people live to 87. So on average, and yeah. as a result, 
You have, I guess, it may not be eighty-seven. It's I think yeah, it yeah, but still. But on the other hand, though, uh, it, the country still doesn't seem to uh, be overly friendly, with rare exception to older workers, for the most part. We, we have not. Well, that's true. But it's a with the work at home stuff that exists. It's it opens up all all sorts of things that can be done by people who are older who who may have had a career where they were much more physical in their in their jobs, mm-hmm. and now have to transition. It's just a matter. If you have a company that needs employees, they will tr- they will train employees who are willing to work. Their problem is they have employees who aren't willing to work, which makes it so all the training in the world just trains people to move to the next job. So older employees actually make a whole lot more sense because they're not going to be as employment mobile. And, you know, I mean, I'm quite honestly, I've gotten tired of my in Americans for Limited Government of training kids to go work for somebody else. And so I look for people who are older because they'll stay. I don't want to waste my time anymore training people who aren't going to stick around. So it's a – and a lot of business people feel that way. Yeah, of course. And then the kids are saying, you, boomers, die. Please die. Yeah, yeah. Get out well, of our way. You know. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, <laughs> that is sort of the problem. But the – and that is another solution for Social Security but and Medicare. But the um, – is the COVID solution. But we've got a um, – so that's one thing that could be done. Paul Gosar has a bill that does that. Um, we have our Social Security disability system is all messed up. That's what we I was going to mention. We, yeah. Well, most people look at that in terms of fraud, waste, and abuse. So I'll tell you, the single biggest thing they ought to do with it is they ought to limit the income cap of what people can make if they're on disability, if they're social, if they're disability. And the reason you should do that is simple: people with disabilities, by and large, are on that are far more dependent upon the health insurance than they are the money from the, than the money. And if they, and so they essentially to keep the health insurance that they need to pay for their, their unique treatments they need that are much more expensive. They say, I can't afford to go and make more than a very small amount of money Mm -hmm. um, as, as an employee. And as a result, you have people either work under the table or they are or they effectively are in government government mandated poverty. And there's there's abuses on the other side. Anytime there's money flowing out, there's abuses in terms of how, how it's getting it's getting stolen. And that's always what everyone wants to talk about is a waste, fraud, abuse. But something they could actually do to once again bring more employees into the overall system is eliminate the income cap. So people with disabilities might only it'll be about a million, million and a half new people. Um, you you eliminate the income cap and you allow people to make more money. In other words, encourage people to actually be employed. Now, encourage, now, now, I know people work. Yeah, now I know people. Like I, I have a relative who is actually you know MS has uh, multiple sclerosis, truly disabled. You know, just out and down for the count, and has been that way. For a long, long time. I understand. I mean, to me, that's true uh, disability. But I have to tell you, I think there's an awful lot of people that uh, that uh, have uh, thin, gruel disability claims and they're they're milking it, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I don't I don't doubt that. It's a but once again, if you are because of the income caps, the disability payment is a limit is a limited amount. Okay. The income caps make it so you can't make more money. We are in, we disincentivize people from going and saying, 
okay, I can make, I can get $40,000 a year on the disability or whatever the number is. I'm not sure what it is. Pretty close to that. Yeah. But I can get $40,000 a year on disability, or I can make 60,000 on, if I went out and I, and I did, and I worked and I, and I, and I might be able to make 80,000 if I, if I kept working and worked real hard and you sit there and you say, but they can't, they say, I can't take the risk of going over the in, over the personal income limit because I lose my health insurance. Take away that risk and make it so it makes sense for people with disabilities. You, you have the disability, you're getting your health insurance, that's fine. Now go out and get a and now we're going to let you make as much as you want. And okay. Because you know what I care about? I care about, first of all, it's, 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 some, it's evil in many respects to tell people you have to live in poverty because you're because you have a disability and you can't afford health insurance unless you live in poverty that's evil secondly it is it is stupid to tell people in today's economy in today's world where blind people can you can do virtually anything everybody else can because of the way computers work where deaf people have that same capacity because of because of computer technology to limit the the ability for people who are uh, who are mobility impaired um, in today's world is dumb. You know, there is, <laughs> you know, something, Rick, I think we're going to wrap it on that. It's dumb. Okay. I get it. All right. Rick, uh, before we take off here next week, we should talk about uh, ways to, that you think could uh, solve some Medicare problems. I think that's even the bigger problem, but uh, we don't have time oh. to, to do that. All right. Now yeah, I, I'm going to have to figure that one out. Yeah, no, I, now, I, avoid, I avoid talking about it because there's really terrible. Solutions. I know 30 seconds though, 30 seconds here as a wrap. Do we get a supplemental deal with actual real border with HR two built in there? Or is, is the collapse about to begin? What do you think? Um, first of all, my phone started ringing, so I didn't. Get oh, I was thinking, phone. I was thinking pregnant pause. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, somebody, I got other noises in my ear that overcame yours. So what was, what was the question? Okay. Uh, all right. The supplemental, the supplemental bill. Yeah. Yeah. Is there the juice to actually get border or is it just going to be something that Republicans will once again say, we're going to run on this in November? I think there's going to be a big fight about it. I don't know if we'll be able to get to yes. Um, there, James Senator Langford from Oklahoma has a bill that he's worked out with uh, with Schumer. Um, that the reporting on it is, and people who I trust in the in the in immigration world, mm-hmm. uh, what they tell me is it's a quite honestly it's it's a terrible bill um but it's but langford's office who i have good relationship with says you need to read it first and we haven't released the language yet so but the reporting on it is it's a terrible bill um that's what the senate is going to try to push through as part of the self as part of the supplemental um i don't think that the i think they're going to have a really hard time to get the house to agree with that bill um, because if, as reported, it would put into law that 5,000 illegal aliens get to come across the border every single day. Yay. Mm. Okay. That, that's the number that's out there. And so we're looking at one, you know, 1.8, 1.8 million illegal aliens a year. Um, and that's a, that'd be, I'm sorry, 1.5. Um, that's a bad thing. So, uh, 
I'm saying, and I made a state, put a statement out based on what was reported in it. And the Langford sent to Langford people and Langford people said, you need to, you're going to want to redo this statement after you read what's in the bill. And so I'm putting even handed on this, but I don't, based on the reports, um, I don't think we're going to end up with a bill in the Senate that is going to very much resemble H.R. 2, which is what the House passed. Um, given that, I think the House can hold together on uh, on immigration, and the and as a result, uh, I, I think that the there is a lot more leverage on immigration on the supplemental bill because Joe Biden needs Ukraine funding. He needs desperately needs Ukraine funding. The it's and it's not because of politics. It's because of the stuff his son's been doing that the government of Ukraine knows about. Well, in essence, that's a payoff to keep uh, things quiet for Hunter. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. It, it's and so he needs to come up with a deal on Ukraine to keep to get so Zelensky can you know basically continues to hold things. So that's your you know, and so that's a a much more powerful leverage point than any public policy issue. And I know everybody's saying, well, we shouldn't do it. We shouldn't do it, but if you can use that to actually get a decent, uh, a slowing of the flow of illegals across the border and an enforcement of the law, if you can do that to start deporting people and, and, and ending the this insanity of cities saying, oh, we're not going to deport cr- violent criminals because um, because we don't think they should have to go back to the country where they came from. I mean, those are, we have to end that those practices. And it's... Um, and so bottom line for me is you better – they have to get a really good – for me to support it, they have to get a really good border component to justify spending another dime on Ukraine. All right. Rick Manning, president of Americans for Limited Government. Read more on DailyTorch.com. Rick, good talk as always, and uh, next week we'll uh, solve the Medicare world's problems. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, Just that, that's really hard. That might take more than 20, 20 minutes. Yeah, 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 it could. All right. Hey, thanks okay. a bunch. Have a good weekend. All right. All right. Eight minutes after seven. This is KMED, KMED, HD1, Eagle Point, Medford, KCMD, Grants Pass.